0: Welcome to the More Life Podcast, where creatives, problem solvers, and entrepreneurs talk about squeezing more out and finding meaning in this crazy thing we call life. Let's dive in. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the More Life Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest in the building with us, not literally, but figuratively. Uh, We have Dustin Service. Uh, All the way from, I guess, out west in Canada. Is that correct, Dustin? Okay, there we go. Dustin is an adventure seeker, a lifelong learner, a financial planner, a business owner, a podcast host. Hopefully I didn't miss any of these things. But uh, Dustin, what do you tell people when you meet them? What do you do? Because I know as entrepreneurial types, (laughs) there's lots of answers you can give.
1: Yeah. And I'll be honest, Bart, I struggle with this. Uh, You know, I've been taught and, you know, over the years of, you know, financial planning, you meet someone and you, you know, say you specialize in helping those kind of people. But uh, usually like if I met you on the golf course and it was a casual setting and uh, I was just in a loose mood, I would just say, you know, I've got my hands in a few things, but uh, predominantly spend my time doing wealth management and uh, running a podcast.
0: Very cool, very cool. And what does it mean to be an adventure seeker? I was reading up on you, trying to figure out a little bit more about you. That means you like to push the limits is what I'm anticipating. Yeah, I don't know say it's calculated risk, but
1: uh, <laughs> one of the beauties of uh, this profession is you spend a lot of time with people and people like to get to know and trust, you know, their advisor. So, you know, my background, you know, in all of it since I was a kid was always you know, buying motorcycles young and, uh, you know, just going on big hikes and camping. And so to be able to include that sort of lifestyle and go with clients to do things that they like, we put on events that we like that a large group of clients would like. So we'll do like a trap shooting in the, in the spring and the fall with two different groups of people, uh, you know, or go-kart racing, uh, for a client's birthday. Uh, that's that's awesome because we get to spend time with clients and uh, you know do things and check things off our bucket
0: list that uh, we might not you know might not come across our radar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, how did you get started in wealth management and financial services? Like, that's that's something you know that is very useful. Um, I, I experienced the death of the family last year, and you start to realize what financial planning really means. Um, in a real tangible way and how much you need to pay attention to it and focus on it early as, you know early is better um, but I'd love to hear maybe a little bit more about how you got started in financial services how did you uh, uh, get a I guess a passion or figure out a way that you wanted to move forward into wealth management
1: sure Bart so uh, thanks uh, and for an interesting stat uh, for North Americans 51% of North Americans don't have a will so I don't know if you experienced when you went through this, you know, it yeah. isn't a very sexy topic and especially, no. you know, you're like, Oh, I got to pay a thousand dollars to write a document that I'm not even going to get to use. But having gone through many estates with clients and realized the, the, if there's lack of planning in place, it makes it very stressful on multiple people. And that doesn't need to be that way. So again, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, yeah. but thanks for bringing <laughs> that up. Cause again, it, it's, Part of being a prudent adult is having a will. And I tell people, yes. I don't get paid to do wills. I don't get paid to refer clients, but I tell every client to get one. Even if you, you know, a holograph will uh, or a, what they call a you know, mirror will is just, you know, two couples, you know, our couple goes in and just they, the wills look the same. Everything goes to the spouse. That's very simple. Or even get a will kit online. I'm not a huge advocate of that because you know, everyone's scenario is is so specific, but that's at least better than nothing. So to your answer, your original question, uh, I took civil engineering in school. Uh, you know, I got a diploma on that and went and worked in the oil patch in uh, Alberta. But while I was at my desk, I had two monitors and I got tied in with these guys at the gym and uh, it was sort of like, you know, I went to a new city, Calgary, I didn't know anybody. And uh, I met these guys at the gym who were about 10 years older than me. And we got talking and, you know, I, I started putting the pieces together that, you know, that guy doesn't work, that guy doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they weren't they weren't drug dealers uh they were just legit guys and what i learned is you know one guy owned a bunch of real estate one guy started a private uh, investment fund and traded stocks um, you know another guy did sort of handyman you know fix up stuff and bought real estate so long story short we would have a sunday study club where we would buy this subscription to this thing called value line and it's it's a document i don't know if you're familiar with it but Uh, For a listener who doesn't, it's, uh, you know, what Warren Buffett would use to analyze a stock. So back in the day, the internet wasn't as huge. And so you'd get every week, this book with about uh, 150 companies in it. Each page was a, you know, a mess of numbers about a company. And we'd sit in Starbucks and we'd all go through, you know, the value line issue. And then we would flag by folding the bottoms of the, the pages companies we thought were interesting. Then at the end, we would compare and we'd lay all our value lines and see if anybody had flagged the same company and that, you know, then would lead to like, well, let's do a little more research online and you know, et cetera, cetera. maybe we would invest, maybe we wouldn't, but that is where it was born, you know, sort of this investment interest on a deeper level. I'd bought, you know, mutual funds when I was 18 with my mom, but always had a paper route, you know, since I was seven or eight liked money. So long story short with that investment sort of background, working in the office, trading stocks, people in the office started to notice and say, Hey, you know, I'm setting up our RSP plan at work, which is, you know, like a company savings plan. Mm-hmm. Can you help us pick the, the funds that the, you know, investment firm offers? So we would do that. Well, that was in, you know, early 2002 stock market had crashed from the tech crash and it started to really rally up to 05. So it wasn't that I'd help them pick the, the best funds. It's just the watermark of the market was going of course. up. and, and, you know, truthfully, I lost a lot of money on stocks, uh, but I made more than I lost. And so I thought, you know, I'm good at this and I like working with people. I should get into the business. And so in my naive uh, age of 23 and a half, 24, I thought, <laughs> I want to drive a Ferrari and be a stockbroker. I don't know where I got that. I thought it'd be cool. And I moved it back fact, to like the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> well, you know, that, that movie wasn't out back then, but trading places or, um, yes. you know, boiler room and, and those boiler sort of room. Work. Oh, my goodness. Ben <laughs> Affleck. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, that was all, I'm sure that's where it probably came from, but I learned in my first year, you know, I was making almost six figures in the oil patch at 22. My first year in the business, I made $15,000 because, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to tell people, Hey, I know lots about your money, but I'm really young and I don't have any track record. So that was how I got in. Um, You know, there's lots of details there, but um, you know, I just always had
0: a passion for working with people and helping them achieve their goals. You've said a lot of good things inside there, and you know our listeners are creative entrepreneurs. And I think I've I've the reason why this podcast exists is I've I've made so many mistakes and so many life lessons along the way, um, and not being concerned about money is probably one of the biggest ones, because uh, it's it's directly tied to your freedom. And a lot of people get into a creative business or they get into entrepreneurship looking to try to control their happiness or their time. They want to have more say in when and how they work. They want to do something that they're passionate about. And sometimes what that ends up looking like is you're focused so much on the structure of a business or a venture and you forgot the original goal. The original goal was for me to have more time for the things that I want to do. Like you said, you want to be outdoors. You want to be active. um, You want to do the things that you are passionate about. I want to take care of my family. I want to be able to travel when I want to. I want to be able to do the things that I like. So not being subject to a, uh, let's say a nine to five allows me the more flexibility, but I got trapped in that, you know, which a lot of creative entrepreneurs end up having trapped in the business of just doing the work. So how do I make time to plan out these things? And how do I find ways to change my mindset from just a creative type person to like, okay, I need to be Financially savvy and business oriented, so that I can do only the things that I can do and make room for the life that I want to make. Because I don't, this business is my business. I don't work for the business. The business is here to work for me. And that's kind of what, you know, I had to probably took me like a good five years to realize and to figure out okay, I, I'm just, you know, basically clocking in, clocking out. I'm chasing, I'm chasing, I'm chasing, but I'm not necessarily living the life that I want to live. And I think a big misconception is people think that they need to become millionaires to be able to prioritize that part of their lives. And I'm, I am I directly oppose that. I think if you prioritize it now, you'll find a way. So if you tell yourself, listen, I, I really want to have Fridays off and – I only want to do the four-day work week thing, or I really want to spend my Mondays away somewhere where I can go like hiking, and that's really important to me because the business is here to support that, but you have to be strategic and smart in in different facets, obviously, systems and process and planning and and all those different things. But a big part of that is people don't think about money because money does – affect everything around you and it does help you buy that freedom that you're looking for Um, but a lot of entrepreneurs are stuck in that grind I don't know if I don't know what type of clients you serve but maybe you see that even in some of the more professional astute business people where they're kind of stuck in that trap of I'm just doing what I'm doing and I never have time to stop and say well what first of all what am I doing with my RSP? Or what am I going to do in the next 25 years? Or do I have an exit strategy for retirement or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so you you, you had a lot of stuff in there. But I, I will go back. I just came off a webinar just this morning with a professional soccer player who just, you know, retired. But, you know, you think of an elite athlete that plays, you know, they call it football, but professional athlete in general. They didn't start by just waking up one day at the age of 30 and saying, I'm just going to be a professional athlete and I'm going to just, you know, live this life that I want and achieve NHL status. It just doesn't happen like that. So we all, you know, listener, you have, you have five minutes a month. Even if you don't have five minutes a month, you have five minutes in a year. Now I'm going to give you a framework right now that is the baseline and would put you ahead of 70% of at least Canadians, probably Americans as well. Uh, maybe around the world. And this framework is an ability to help you feel more confident in your finances, which then leads to giving you more confidence in other areas of your life. And it really is a perception game. The perception of you're not organized. That's how you see it. And so if you can give yourself a visual, logical, framework that you see. No, I am actually organized that then transports. So this is how it works. You imagine like a pyramid at the bottom of the pyramids, the widest piece, it's your financial, you know, foundation, like on a house, to would be the cement that foundation is made up of three things. It's made up of your goals, which is as simple as where do I want to be in a year from now to feel happy with my confidence. It's made up of your bam, which is your bare ass minimum. Now, bare ass minimum is what are the expenses that exist for me to exist? This isn't the Louis Vuitton. This isn't the traveling. This is the mortgage payment, the car payment, the groceries, you got bam. And then the other part is, you know, what we call an asset map or a dashboard, which is as simple as writing down what insurance you have, what investments you have, what debt, what real estate. Now that you've got that, you know exactly sort of where you are, you know, where you want to go, you know, what your, your optics, it's like a pilot. It's looking at the gauges. Those are all your gauges. The next layer up is your risk management. And in risk management, you talk about the what ifs of like, you know, you brought it up. It's like, what if you die? What happens to your family? You know, not very fun topics, but you don't have to spend a lot of time, but just go, well, if I died and I'm the sole income earner for our family, then that would be bad for my wife and two kids who, you know, she's not working and the income would stop. You know, if you don't have any debt and you got $2 million of savings and you're 35 years old, then great. You don't need life insurance. But if you don't, Then, (laughs) then, then pay off your mortgage, leave your family debt free, and you know certain amount of years of income. Usually, we used to say five years, now we say ten, just due to the price of houses. Obviously, a parent is probably going to be helping a child. In in my region, the average house price is a million and thirty eight thousand. That you know, for a child to get into a house, it's going to require a parent. Well, if you're gone, that's not going to happen. Education, you know, that needs to be taken care of too. Whether it's A vocation, starting a business, not going to university, you fill in the blank. So risk management, if I get sick or hurt, is that going to impact? If I can't work for a year, is that going to impact things? Get a will is in there. One that's not often talked about by financial advisors is leisure spending, solid relationships with your friends. That's a huge one what I often see, and again, you mentioned it, and I'll just take a minute to, to highlight in the work that we do, we usually work with families of 2 million to 20 million of net worth. And they're usually, you know, 40 plus years old. And so over 18 years, I've combined this, this story and, and seen what has worked and what hasn't worked. And often you will find that when people get to retirement, they've lost all their passions because they work so hard on their business. They, they don't, they don't know how to talk to their spouse cause their kids were sort of the anchor that kept them together. Now they're staring at each other going, well, you don't go to the business anymore. Like you're at home all day. You don't have hobbies. This isn't very fun. And so that's, that's not good. And then you've got, so we've got our foundation. We know where we want to go. We've got our risk managed. So what could happen in between where you want to go and where you are is managed so that you can stay on track. Now you're into the accumulation zone. And what accumulation zone includes is, you know, your investments, your real estate, paying down your debt, saving for your kid's education. But again, one other item that if not taken care of can be a massive cavity in someone's plan, it's mental health. And again, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I am a podcaster and an avid listener to them. And your mental health is impacted by what you nourish your brain with. And if you are, you know, putting your mind in, in, in a state of watching the news before bed, watching the news when you wake up on the TV, those are the two most pivotal times in your day and lots of people do it because you got to stay current. Supposedly with the current events, I'll tell you right now, the media is not serving your goals. You go back to those goals and say, what are my goals? Is the time I'm spending in a day in a month in a year aligned with where I want to go. If it isn't then change that and fill your mind and use that time to get you closer to the goals. And the final layer, this is the peak. Of the pyramid is estate planning, maybe selling your business if you've got a business. And the estate planning, you know, you talked about wills when people pass away or, you know, cleaning up bank accounts, cleaning up, you know, that all like that's estate planning. And that's what we do insurance, paying tax at the end of, you know, someone's life. That's all important. But the other piece of estate planning is teaching your kids about money and the mindset around becoming wealthy. And wealthy doesn't mean rich, wealthy means a whole bunch of things to different people, but yes, that time needs to be spent. So if you look at that pyramid, there's 15 boxes on, it. we go through the clients every year and say, okay, we print off the, you know, the pyramid and say, okay, you've got your life insurance checkmark. You've got your will checkmark. So that's two points out of 15. Then we'll say, okay, well, do you have a plan? Well, if you're working with us, you would. So that's another checkmark. But then if you say, okay, uh, I think I have disability insurance at work. We'll put a question mark on that. And if they say, Hey, I know I don't have critical illness insurance and I identify, it's like, well, you don't have a much of a savings. You're the sole income earner, or you both, you know, you're both, your incomes are required for your household to function. If one of you goes down and doesn't work for a year and you make 120 or 150 or 90,000 a year, that money doesn't come in. So we need a policy there. That's an exclamation mark. And by the time you're done the pyramid, you might have two or three exclamation marks that you say, listen, we don't need to address this right this second, but in the next six months, the next year, we are going to knock off a few of these things. Then it doesn't seem like a big decision thing or, you know, people get bunged. Oh, it's a lot of stuff. No, then we're just going to prioritize them.
0: And then your plan is going to get progressively better throughout the year. That's really, really, really good. Uh, One of the questions that I was going to ask you, because I know you have your own podcast, it's called The Picture of Wealth. You kind of jumped the gun. I was going to ask you, what is the picture of wealth? And I think this framework here that you talked about, this pyramid, is kind of like a super ideal map. Uh, It's a great framework for you to kind of say, here are the big check boxes that I need to, you know, maintain and be able to manage you know the, the first one we talked about the goals and and your dashboards all that kind of stuff the risk management uh the uh, accumulation and then after that the estate planning all these things build on top of each other and you can start piece by piece and having these conversations like I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the show it was my my mother that passed away and a few years ago uh, her financial planner she started doing financial planning and she started doing estate planning while she was still alive before she was ever sick and it was very like morbid and weird talking about you know funerals and properties and what's going to happen with estates and all that kind of stuff Uh, and to have that conversation, it kind of feels a little bit out of place. But man, let me tell you, when that does happen, when there is a death in the family, and you are directly involved with the estate and with the will, Uh, having everything at your fingertips and understanding exactly what the next steps are going to be and who you need to talk to as a son, anyways, it's it's invaluable because there are already so many other things that are going on that you can very easily be taken advantage of. You can very easily end up paying way more money than than you're supposed to. You can very easily feel lost or trapped and all of a sudden, everything you thought you had, you don't have anymore. So, having plans and understanding that you need to talk to the right people about what you're thinking about, you know, in terms of next steps, where all these documents are being held, uh, uh, who do we need to talk to, all those things extremely, extremely important. And I wanted to touch on one last thing you also said, estate planning, which is, like, also explaining to your children uh, about what uh, um, what type of moves or how to how to manage money, and I think that's uh, something that's extremely important. You know. A lot of people that I I encounter in my life are first-generation Canadians. So, like myself, I'm the first one in my family. So we have a unique opportunity for wealth building because we understand the system a lot better than what, let's say, my mother or my father. They did estate planning and... Uh, financial planning very late in life. My mom only did it about a decade before she passed away. When you understand, oh, here's how life insurance actually works. Here's how you can actually protect your assets to transfer them generation to generation. Here's how you protect your your assets from taxes in the country of Canada. So this is, these are the things that are sometimes in the wealthy uh Information that is often passed down, but then when you are talking to regular middle class, maybe new to the country, they don't know this information on how to protect themselves from all these different things. So estate planning is one of those things where I believe it's our duty as parents, A, to try to you know do the things like what you're talking about within this framework, but also don't hide information from the younger generation uh, because it's only going to help them so much more exponentially to understand how the financial system actually works and how they can use it to leverage it to do the things that they actually want. Like those things are actually tied in the same. Do you you agree with that?
1: Yeah, 100%. There's so many places, uh, you know, we could do a whole podcast series on what you just brought up. But one of the examples that I thought of that most people don't talk about is, uh, you know, estate planning and passing money from generation to generation, you're bang on there's certain kind of life insurance that exists that if you put it in place when you're younger, the premiums are a lot less, it becomes paid off. You know, we could do a whole presentation on whole life. But what I'll talk about is an example that we had a couple of years ago where it was an orchard family business, massive amount of orchard uh, property and they grew great or grow apples. Uh, and what the, so three, siblings who are all say 40 to 45 years old, two parents who were almost in their seventies. And these three, you know, children were all professionals. They all good income earners. The two parents had a, a fair amount of money, but not that much money. But what the, the, the children decided was they would each put in a third of the life insurance premium to pay a premium on a joint last to die on the two older parents who were near 70 years old. So from a investment standpoint, the numbers, even if they lived to like 93, 94 was like a, you know, like having a GIC at six, 7%. Well, you know, a couple years ago, you couldn't get that. Now you can maybe get four or five, but still, if they passed away sooner than 93, all of a sudden the return was massive. So when you can get over the, like, well, that's weird or that's morbid and just look at it from a pure strategy. You know, that's one example of a, a dozen that I could, you know, share with, with, with business owner, uh, people, because you can use your business for a lot of creative things. And especially in Canada, you can use a corporation without getting into the weeds. Life insurance creates what's called a capital dividend account. So if your company owns life insurance pays for the insurance and is the beneficiary, the death benefit comes into the company and creates a capital dividend account, and can flow out. You know, if it's term insurance, tax free. If it's whole life insurance, there's a little right. bit more complicated. Thing.
0: This so. is why, uh, if if you know, it feels unconventional. I'm sure some of the listeners, when they were looking at the description for this video, but this is why I wanted you to come on, is because just to go back to the original point, so many people start businesses for that free time and they're looking for the free dub to do what they want and they they forget this part right here if you take care of this framework that you that you've outlined for us this guarantees your freedom you get to decide who gets what where the money goes, how you're going to take care and protect for your family. This gives you the freedom to say, I want to move here. I want to be here. I want to live this type of lifestyle, whether it's you know secluded somewhere, whether you want to live in a big city. It gives you the financial stability to make decisions on your terms rather than life happening to you. And for me, anyways, that's what I wanted when I started this business, saying, hey, I have more options here when I start a business compared to just... Uh, uh, working a nine to five in terms of my time and my availability, but also in terms of my earning potential. So, I just don't want people to, who are listening to this, to feel like you are trapped in a cycle, especially when you're doing like service-based, you know, entrepreneurship where you're giving up your time for a service. So, you really need to start to think about how can I make my money work for me, um, in terms of you know dealing with some of the clients that you deal with how are are there ways that people can really start to lean on their investments to help them offset their liability payments or whatever going on in their lives
1: yeah it's a a good uh it's a good point one thing that uh you know i got asked on a different on a different show last week was like what was the best investment to to get ahead in 2023 (laughs) and you know it's it's so specific Ooh. to each person, but yeah. one thing that I do talk about is investing in your wealth edge. And what the wealth edge is is taking just doesn't take long. Think about where do you have an edge over said somebody else? Cuz the reality is there is a lower risk investment there. If, you know, let's use a carpenter. Carpenter is good with, you know, understands, you know, how to do things with a house. So If that person, you know, you know, what's the best investment that, you know, I got to do investing. I got that guy show up my office. He owns a carpentry company. He says, I got to do investing. And I get talking with him and and he's got, he's never done anything with the market. His parents had a bad experience with the stock market. And I get asking him like, well, you know, when you go into an older house, like, what do you see? He's like, oh, well you just move that wall, move that. You'd put a thing, a gable on the front, you know, and to me when I walk around a house, And I look at the amount of work that that is. My mind just, it it just can't comprehend. And I think immediately I'm going to have to pay somebody for that, which is fine. But my risk then goes up because if you buy a piece of real estate and say the market goes down and I've had to pay someone, they got their profit, you know, and all that stuff. I'm in the hole. I'm probably in the hole with that person, the carpenter, he's got his wealth edge. He could build a whole portfolio out of real estate because it helps him sleep at night. He knows that okay, I'm going to blow this wall out and make the kitchen bigger. That is, is he knows his head or she, that's only a month of work. And then I'm going to have this house that's worth, you know, a lot more realtors. Same thing. Realtors see real estate listings, real time before anyone else. Realtors are allowed to buy houses that come on, on the market. So, you know, that might be a better vehicle. Dentists, you know, I'm a good friend of mine's a dentist for dentists on, on the most part, their incomes are high. But the requirement to be somewhere is also high. They got to be in the dentist's office. So they can't do a fixer upper house. That then makes it they should partner with people to do real estate or their wealth edges, their income. So they can have a few screw ups because their income is so high and they can bounce back. But then maybe use the market as your tool. so very, again, very I, interesting. I, I'm not evading your question. I'm just trying to bring more value to each individual listener who... Is living a different life and has different skills, different backgrounds.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. uh, You know, you hear uh, of this in certain ways, but I never piece it together the way you just explained it. So everybody has intrinsic value that they understand in the world, but there's probably a a new subset within an industry or or a subset at a different level that they could then uh, capitalize on. Compared to if they're just trying to play with the big boys and, and do only what you know, I don't know whatever investment guru will tell you to to try to do. You know, there's there's other ways to uh, have an effect on the bottom line, and I think that's really really key for especially for entrepreneurs, people that own multiple businesses. That there are ways because, like you said, like the dentists, some people feel like they're too busy. I got so much going on. How can I try to keep all these plates spinning and also do something that is going to, you know, help me uh, build uh, some type of, you know, passive income? Um, and this is where it, it actually allows you to to make these types of decisions to partner with people. I'm a huge fan of. You know, learning what you don't know as well. Like, there are there's probably a lot of stuff that you don't understand. And if you're just new to the financial world, like I'm, the, I'm still a novice by many stretches of the imagination. But hey, instead of instead of going out and trying to just buy stocks willy nilly, which I have also done and lost money on, it's probably best if you go buy a book and try to educate yourself or find somebody who has done it before you and learn from them because there, there are some people who are high earners uh, high, you know wealth earners who have great insight but it's good for you to know things on your own. I was very lucky um, when I was in my late 20s. Uh, I had somebody who was very, uh, I guess, wealthy. He told me I should start a business. And, of course, I didn't listen to them. I took the new job that was being offered to me. Uh, And, you know, and a few years later, I started my business, my marketing agency. uh, And I realized what he was trying to get me to understand is, you know, when you're working for somebody, that's a cap. And then when you work for yourself, the gate is wide open. And if you're... uh, a creative thinker or if you're a problem solver and you like to chase after dreams then you know maybe business ownership or entrepreneurship might be for you because you get to like you said at the beginning of the show dabble in everything and uh i, I want to uh, uh you know kind of see like w- you talked a little bit about uh you know the families that you help uh, are being within the range of two to something million, two to how two million to whatever million, two to 40 two to 20, two to 20 million. So, for the people that are not at that level yet in terms of uh, uh net worth, uh, what is the number one priority that they should do right now? And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be something related to that framework that you just shared with us, but what's like the biggest. Thing that you think is like hindering them and that they should need to solve right away? So
1: there's two things, confidence and uh, ability to action on an opportunity. I don't know if, listener, you listen to any of the like Alex Hormozzi or Grant oh, Cardone, yeah. you know, love them yeah. or hate them, both those guys, uh, they, they, have, they do interesting things. Uh, <laughs> but it, any, any guru, uh, they act quickly. And so if you've got the framework done, it takes a lot of guesswork out when you've got an opportunity in front of yourself Maybe it's an investment opportunity the market, you know, COVID happens and the market drops 35% and you go, okay, well, should we invest? I don't know. Like, what if I lost my job or what if I got hurt or what if I died after I made this investment? Now, all of a sudden you're trying to, you're trying to build all that framework. I just talked about at the start from a place of like, not a, not a very good place because you're, you want to do this opportunity maybe, but now you're, you're fighting the thoughts of, you know, uh, well, I haven't figured out really what I'm spending a month. Like, I don't know, will this work? And usually that drags out and you miss the opportunity. So if you've got the framework built and you go, okay, wow. You know, my, I just looked at a house just down the street from my house. It was like, wow, opportunity. Okay. Well, I already know all my numbers. I already know where my framework, I already know if I got, you know, uh, hit by a bus tomorrow, my family's taken care of. Even if I was in the middle of that deal, I go there, you look at the numbers. Okay. Wow. We got to move this to phase two, so you know, little things like the clients that we serve didn't buy Tesla at ten bucks, ride it to a thousand, sell, and now all of a sudden they're wealthy. They made basically life decision, you know, behaviors throughout life, where they really, you know, they not only watch their BAM in their personal life, but they watch their BAM in their business. You know, knowing okay, when you know, what is it? What are our numbers in our business? Because you get too much debt, or you get too much spending. Uh, if you got everything under control, Hey, there's one of our competitors, let's buy them. That's an opportunity. And it has to happen fast. Cause if it's a good deal or, you know, the COVID or the market or whatever happened, there's forest fires and you're a, a logging company. You know, it's like, you got to be able to action now. It doesn't come in as an email on a Tuesday afternoon with like, here's an opportunity and you are totally approved and confident to take it. It doesn't happen right. like that. It never seems like it's awesome. the right time.
0: So you need to have that framework built so you've got less decisions to think about. Dustin, I'm so thankful for you to be here with us today. Uh, you've provided a wealth of information and I hope inspiration for our listeners to take the next step to figure out how they can leverage both their time and their dollars for their future and their family's future as well with being. Where can people find out more information about you? I know you have a podcast, please plug it. Let us know where we can get more information. Sure. So
1: the main website is servicewealth.com, which is S E R V I S S wealth.com. There's a button there. If you want to book a 15 minute, no obligation sort of check in. I'm happy to help anyone or any of the tools that I've talked about, I'm happy to share, uh, you know, because there is actually a diagram that you could complete with your partner, which I didn't talk about, which is super important, not doing your finances or financial conversations without your partner is a recipe for disaster. Do it with your partner. It's a lot more fun. Uh, and then the picture of is the podcast show, which is on all Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, all this stuff.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Guys, go ahead and give this video a thumbs up or a like if you think that this video has helped you and share it with a friend. We're trying to spread the word of the More Life podcast, helping creative entrepreneurs with their mindset and with their businesses and creativity. All right, that's it. I've been Bart. Peace out.